0: Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch.
1: Good evening, and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. And when I say miracles, I mean a miracle has happened. We have Ellen back in the studio this week. Hi, yeah. Ellen. How are you?
2: Very well, and very, very happy to be here. Very, very. Uh, it's what would been we what say? five or six weeks, at
1: yeah, least. Yeah, a very journeyed Ellen over the past yeah. five or six weeks. She's well, been. Well,
2: last week I had a good excuse.
1: Right, you couldn't see.
2: I couldn't see. That's it not been, a good it excuse. It would have been too dangerous for me to drive.
1: That's not a good enough excuse. You leave me here all alone.
2: Oh, I know. sad. <laughs> so are you wearing a class ring today? No,
1: actually, it's my Marine Corps ring.
2: Oh, yeah, awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I, every once in a while, I, I make sure I stick it back on my finger. And that that tells me that I don't – I mean, when, if I can't go on, yeah, I need I to lose weight. Yeah, I was going to say, hey, but,
2: it still fits.
1: Yeah. Ah, this is from 1982.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So – Well,
2: thank you for your service.
1: Oh, thank you for recognizing. That's, I guess that's what it's about. It's more important than people recognize than – What's going on in the world today? Um, we have on our line this week, we have a, a special guest. His name is John Delaney, and he is originally from the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. And if you've been paying attention to any of the news this week, um, there's been a big uproar in the um, in the Pennsylvania area about uh, – the priesthood and you know the abuses and and all of that stuff and and John was sadly a victim of that abuse and he is here to tell his story he's also here to tell his story of redemption in the sense of you know he he walked through his demons and like everyone else dealt with their demons how an addict knows how to we use to run away from them. And fortunately enough, John made it through the storm. He's here to tell his story. And you're also a life coach as well today, correct, John? Certified recovery coach. Uh, uh, okay, a recovery coach. Awesome. So, you know, it's great to have you on. Thank you for um, spending the hour with us. And, um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, you know, you can start right at the beginning, uh, you know, about, about everything and anything, your childhood, and bring us up to uh, speed, and I'm sure we'll stop you here and there to have that we have questions, but um, shoot.
3: Okay, thank you. Um, I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, very Irish Catholic neighborhood. Went to Catholic school. Uh, my dad was a Philadelphia police detective. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, You know, just a typical Irish Catholic neighborhood, great environment. Um, Our life revolved around the church. We did everything with the church. I became an altar boy at the age of 10 years old, and we had a new parish priest that came in. And he took over the altar boys, and that's when the abuse started to happen. Um, And by the time I was 11 years old, I had already been raped and abused, and it continued on for years. Uh, It stopped at about 16 years old when I was able to fight back enough That he couldn't continue to do it. Um, But what it had done at the age of 11 years old, I started using drugs and alcohol um, to cope with it. Um, So at 11 years old, I was, you know, I'm doing drugs and serving Mass um, on Sunday um, because I always knew I was going to be abused if I had Mass with that certain priest. So you know, I, I, unfortunately, my, my parents didn't know what was going on. Um, I tried to tell them, but nobody believed me. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was, they, they had me they had me locked up. Um, and I spent three years of my teenage years uh, incarcerated in general homes and, and homes for boys and uh, pretty much, you know, kid jail is what it was. Um, now, that was just, that was so, acting out
1: through your, that was acting out through your use or did you get caught? doing something to uh, sustain your addiction?
3: I started acting out. I got physical. I got violent. Um, Mm -hmm. My grades dropped. I, I got really just... Before this abuse happened, I was a shy, studious kid. I was smart. I got good grades. I was on a soccer team, baseball, you know, normal kid life. Um, That all changed. I went from being a very shy, quiet person to constantly throwing my fist, getting in trouble at school. Um, I was suspended a few times, and my parents just didn't know how to deal with it. So my parents had separated at that time, and my mom had me incarcerated um, because she just couldn't handle me. Um, no, let, let me let me ask control. you let me ask you a question,
1: so, John. Let me ask- know, it, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Let me ask you a question. Did did your parents think at the time that that was going on and your behavior had changed? Did they think you were acting out because of their um, marriage breakup, or did they just think it was you being a knucklehead?
3: Yeah, because they I they know what happened up with up me is when my parents
1: see. when my parents split, that's what that's what happened. My behavior changed.
3: Yeah, they they chalked it up to me just being a bad kid, you know that they couldn't yeah. be controlled. Um, what my mom had done prior to having me incarcerated was reached out to the priest that was abusing me to get him to oh, counsel wow. me, which then in turn gave him more time to continue to do what he was doing. Oh yeah, it right. That I, I, yeah, uh, that's sad. Yeah. It was very bad. I was, It was a very tumultuous childhood.
2: Why didn't your um, parents believe you when you told them?
3: I believe it's that, that older generation, that Irish Catholic generation, um, you know, the priests and nuns are, you know, they're godlike. Um, we were taught in Catholic school that a priest is the closest thing that you'll have <laughs> to God. And, you know, I, I, I not to be disrespectful to the memory of my dad or anything, but... When I told him, he slapped me and told me, "You don't talk about a priest like that." They called me a liar. They did not believe me. Uh, Right? They thought it was me trying to come up with an excuse for my behavior as to what I was doing instead of owning up to just being a bad kid, which I was not. I was a very good kid. Um, And it was honestly, it was the worst thing they could have ever done to to send me away because I came out ten times worse than I went in. Right, you learned. Um, you yeah, learned I bad had behavior. Been in five, six fish fights in my life prior to getting incarcerated, and by the time I came out, I could have been a pro boxer as many fights as I've been in. Um, <laughs> so it came out worse than I went in, and it was very, very hard. It was hard to deal with feeling betrayed by my parents, feeling betrayed by the people that I trusted, a man that I looked up to. It really played. It played. A, it wreaked havoc on me completely, physically, mentally, and emotionally. It was just very hard.
1: Right. I'm sure, you know, oh, and, and like I can't you even said, imagine. like you said, um, you know, when you, when you told your parents that, and you said, you know, coming from, from that, uh, environment, I grew up in the same environment and we had, we had that going on in, in our church as well for, uh, for churches as well. Fortunately enough, I wasn't a, a victim of, of a priest. Um, I was a victim of all the other stuff that went along, you know, with the streets, but, um, and you said, a priest is the closest thing to God. Well, well. also at that time, a priest and a doctor were the closest thing to God. I, I mean, our parents never went out of, out of school at all from what a priest said or what a doctor said. And sadly, a lot of, because of that mindset, a lot of the children were pushed right back into the evil that was happening and um, that's a that's a, a betrayal in itself. So I'm sure that um that only fueled your fire that much greater to um dig in deeper and, and you know, try to hide from it all
3: inside. Yeah, you know, I, I, I just I, I acted out. Um, you know, my, my dream when I was a kid was to be like my dad. I wanted to be a cop. I wanted to help people, I wanted to be a Philadelphia police officer. I never got that chance. It was taken away from me because, you know, at the age of 16, when they released me, I now had a juvenile record. And it prevented me from joining the police department. It prevented me from all the dreams and hopes I had had when I was a young boy. Um, So I kind of had to figure out where to go in life. And I wound up going into construction. I became a lawyer. Um, it's not what I really wanted to set out to you be. You said you were but a roofer? Money and it, it took every time, honestly, working every day in the heat and the sun, it took my mind off of what I was going through. Did but you? at the same time, there's a culture there that fuels the addiction because most of the time we were getting hired, drinking on the job. So it was just another way for me to be able to use and work at the same time. You said you were a roofer? yes.
1: Yeah, I was I was well, a roofer when I was younger as well. I was in the uh the local out of uh the local out of Boston. And that's that's a um very unforgiving job, you know.
3: It is. It's a different breed of men that job. It, it truly is. Yeah. Um yeah. you know, and but it was like I was trying to punish myself almost. I pierced my right. body at work all day and you know, it was like kind of a way to deal with the pain. Um but what it did was it made the addiction get so much more worse, uh, and you know that went into so many other things too as well. As you know, the addiction just kind of runs rampant through your whole entire life and anybody that's close to you. Right. Um, but you know, what was was, John, not, what was your, was your
2: what was your drug of choice? I'm sorry, what was your drug of choice? Anything and
3: everything I could get my hands on. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Good answer. You just I, won the test. There wasn't anything I wouldn't try, but it was in the 80s and the early 90s, it was pretty much cocaine. Um, and then in the late 90s, early 2000s, and up until a few years ago when I got sober, it was whatever I could get. Um, you know, before I went up going to rehab, I was smoking mess, I was drinking all day. I wasn't eating. I was homeless. Uh, it was terrible. I was at the worst I had ever been in my life. And I've been some pretty dark places. This was the worst it ever got Mm-hmm.
2: And you were still in the Philadelphia area at that point? Yes.
3: Yeah. I didn't okay. leave Philadelphia until after 2005. I was a part of the Philadelphia grand jury investigation into child sex abuse by the church. I was one of the very first victims to come forward in Pennsylvania and speak publicly about what happened. And when I did that, that was a huge spiral as well. I just fueled my, you know, my. Oh, because you're a target at that point. Yeah. How it how old one, were
1: you when you um, did that, John? You know, I, pardon me. How old were you when you did that? I was about thirty-two when I came forward and started speaking. Okay. And that's right. so. I mean, you had, some, you had some adult, uh, you had some adult you had some adult years under your belt at that part. point, yeah.
3: I think the average age for a victim of child sex abuse to come forward is around forty eight, fifty two years old and somewhere in those in that area. Really? So Oh I, wow, I didn't I didn't know it was that
1: old. But I mean I thought yeah. I thought maybe thirty two was kinda of like the common but wow. Yeah.
3: Now so they it hold takes it in some victims long. decades and decades. We just had a man in Pennsylvania who's eighty three years old, who was abused in the forties, come forward wow. just last week for the first time ever. So oh right, right. I did. Like I saw that. Little I little.
1: saw that on the news. He was one of the ones that, that you know, ranged back to like 1949 or something, wasn't it?
3: Yes. Yeah. I think it was 49. I think you're correct.
1: Yeah. So crazy.
3: Yeah. You know, crazy I, I, I mean,
1: so so when you when you came out um, and and spoke about it for the first time, were you in recovery then, or were you still active?
3: No, I was still active. I'll be honest, though. I was trying to pretend like I was sober, um, but, you know, nobody saw through that. Um, You know, I did a couple articles and interviews, and I said I was sober, but I wasn't. I I was still actively using, and you could tell by looking at me. I wasn't hiding it from anybody, only myself. So so uh, what what made you
1: what like what light went off that made you step forward out of the darkness into the light with that secret anyway i mean that's because that's a heavy burden to carry all those years and all of a sudden say enough is enough what made you step up
3: one of my very best friends who I grew up with and very close to he came forward to the to the detective was doing the investigation to speak out to them. He was part of the grand jury report as well. Once I found out that he was doing that, I felt like I had to, to kind of validate his story and also mm-hmm. give me a chance to come forward and say what happened to me and kind of get it off my chest. Um, you know, he was my body. I was going to take my body's back. That's what we did. Right, right. And that's what mm-hmm. I did.
1: But it didn't work. No. It <laughs> right. Didn't work. No.
3: Yeah. It made it worse.
1: It made it worse, and I and I, and I, I can probably understand that we're. Because of the mindset of the community, you know, they hid under the cloak of the church, and you know, they were they were evil men. They weren't. They probably weren't even men. They were monsters, and they were preying on, they were preying on our on our little kids. You know, and not not only in Philadelphia, I mean, or in or in Pennsylvania, it hap- it, it happened uh, nation and worldwide. And you know, hopefully, there are people like you out there, and I know a, a very dear friend of mine that that um, was took the same took the same bus you did and today he's a happy healthy church going individual because he got to be able to find recovery and be able to process all of that bad bad stuff into something positive and and I'm sure that's why you do what you do? I mean, because you know what I mean. You share your experience, strength, and hope. You give away what was freely given to you, even though you may not have walked the same path I did. I can fully understand why you were doing what you were doing.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it was very, it was tough. Um, you know, that friend that I spoke of, uh, he passed away. His he, his body gave up on him. Um, from all the years of drug abuse and medical problems. And not even nine months later, another best friend of mine from grade school and high school and my whole wife committed suicide. He was also a victim by the same priest who abused me. So I lost two friends within 11 months of each other. Um, mm-hmm. And it was very hard to take, but thank God I was in recovery when it happened the second time to my last friend that passed away. Right. And, and like... Um
1: when i you're a uh, you're a recovery coach now so so do you actively work for a um facility or are you like a um um what would you call that like a per diem type recovery coach yeah. where you contractor people, yeah like a contractor where people reach reach out to you and you provide your services that way
3: yes i have my own business my own website um i do this by myself um you know, and I, share I that. Share, share with your patient. information, I work John. With people who have been sexually abused as well. Share your information,
1: and then we'll do it again at the uh, later on in the show. Share how people can get with it's, you on your website and all of that.
3: It's delaneyrecoverycoaching.com dot com.
1: And that's with an e, right? Delaney is with an e. It's not L Y. No, it's D E L A N E Y. N E Y, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people will just leave the e out. They're not Irish. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> do you have a Facebook page or anything like that?
3: I'm sorry. What's
2: that? I said, do you have a Facebook page or you know some other spot where people can go to look besides just your website?
3: I do. Um, on Facebook, I have a page that is that where I talk about the abuse and my you know my business, and that page is called Fox Chase Strong. What station, of the neighborhood did I grow up in? Oh, okay. Oh,
2: that's
3: neat. Oh, all right,
1: cool. So um, we we actually I don't want to I don't want to start another sentence or or, or another another uh, conversation because we're coming up on break now. So what we'll do is we'll we'll break and we will uh, come back and we'll you know John will share his experience, strength, and hope and a little bit more of his story and how he's gotten to the point that he's at. If you would like to call in, dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. four seven two five seven nine two. We'll be back in a moment.
0: ready to transform your health and your world? time on the voice america health and wellness channel
2: step into a healthier you voice america health and wellness
0: you are listening to miracles in recovery to reach the program today please call into 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to Ray at org. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Hey, welcome back to Miracles in Recovery. Um, I'm blessed with Ellen in the studio, like I said before, and we also have John Delaney on the line, and he's sharing his experience, strength, and hope with... Uh, the use and abuse of drugs and alcohol and also his redemption with with recovery. Um one thing that I that I I did want to let you know though, John, is that this is an international show and we have an audience that listens to us around the world. And you shared that you were Irish Catholic. Um you know I I carry that curse as well. But um (laughs) you know so it's 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 a blessing, but it's also a curse. Um it is we have a Huge listenership in Ireland. Why? I well, I, I I have quite a few friends over there, but it it, it I don't really know why we have the li- because it's almost as great as the audience in the United States. And I'm I'm forever uh, grateful. I'm forever grateful for my friends in Ireland for listening to us on the air. But it it just blows my mind that it's uh, midnight there now. right? what right? eight? it's one o'clock there now and people are sitting there listening live to the show that we have a huge live audience. So say hi to your Irish ancestry over there. (laughs) Hey guys. (laughs) 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 Okay. So you, you had said that you, um, what is it again? Delaney recovery.
2: Well, he has Fox chase strong too.
1: And Fox chase strong. Um, let, let let me know about what you what you provide what services you provide with your recovery coaching and that way if somebody wants to reach out to you um they'll one know how know what what you do i mean you you shared a little bit about uh who you were and you said you uh you also help with uh with abuse as well with child abuse as well which is which is huge i mean that that is probably um one a heavy load to carry but i'm sure it's a heavy load to um let go when you're with somebody who has been through the same things as you have so share a little bit about um what you offer how people can find you and then we'll just go back a little bit and and just have a conversation about anything else
3: okay um what i do is i offer some server companion if somebody needs a server companion recovery coach, which uh, depending, you know, different recovery coaches do different things. Um, you know, I, I can do anything with a client via Skype, so if they're not available to do it in person, we can do it Skype, so that they can keep in touch. Um, I also help people who are just starting to speak out about sexual abuse, um, so I call myself also a sexual abuse recovery coach because there's so much that goes with that and it's very hard to come out, so I get to share what I've learned by doing what I'm doing with my clients. Um, You know, and the addiction part of it is just as serious. As we all know, there's always an underlying issue with addiction, and that's what we do. I work with somebody who's just getting sober, and I help them build on their strengths. I help them set goals. I work with them to get to those goals. Um, you know, I'm there 24 seven. I give a hundred percent of myself to my clients. I fight just as hard for them as I fought for my own sobriety and my own recovery. Um, you know, I really believe in what I do. I learned so much about this. So I really need to give it back so that maybe it's not so tough for some of these people to go through what I went through and I try to make it easier for them. Um, You know, I'm not a sponsor or anything like that, but what I do is some clients I speak to for an hour a day on Skype with check-ins. I work with them to get to their goals. You know, if they need employment, I help them do that. Whatever the case may be, I'm there for them. I'm added support on top of their own recovery and their sponsors. It's You know, you you can't – there's nothing bad about extra support. I mean, anything to help a little bit more – And I think the stats are like if you have a recovery coach, you have a 15% chance of staying sober, 15% chance more of staying sober than if you didn't have one. So I think that's, you know, a really good thing oh yeah no by all means now how long do you how long do you usually stay with a client
1: for like does it like how do you know when they are ready to grab the reins themselves I'm sure that when you're dealing with someone who has you know who has an addiction and is a survivor of child abuse I'm sure that that person probably needs maybe a little bit more Tlc than just your average um, addict or alcoholic but what is the common What is the common process? Like you grab onto somebody, or, or you stop providing services. When is it that you feel that somebody is okay to venture out on their own or seek, you know, just just normal recovery guidance?
3: Um, you know, depending on the situation, if they're you know, I have people that are fresh out of rehab, they need more attention. Um, You know, because they're just out of rehab, this is all brand new, it's real hard to kind of navigate, so I work as closely as I can with them. Um, You know, we we do sometimes three-month programs, sometimes people only need me for a month just to get through. Like a hard time. You know, if there's been a death in the family and you're new in recovery, uh-huh. I'm there. You know, I, I guide you through that and I'm there to support you and, keep, you know, help keep you sober and help keep you on the right path to recovery. Um, it's all really individually based on each client. Um, we do, you know, a questionnaire and a sit down and basically do about a two hour interview and get a feel for what they're about, what they're looking to get out of what I offer. And and tell them what I'm willing to do and what I will do for them. So it, I tailor to each client because um, not everybody's the same, and you know those kind of yeah. set models don't really work for me. So whatever the client needs, I make sure that I'm available and I get the resources that they need. If they can't do it themselves, it's just basically you know what, what they need the most. Now what if what if uh, and, and this is
1: this is just you know I mean I'm just throwing this out there just for um... Terms of conversation, I, I got clean uh, February twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. So I'm I'm actively sitting here, fortunately, with twenty nine years clean. Um, would wow. you? What, <laughs> it, wow! I only have what you have. I got today. Um, I just have like thirty thousand days of it, of it. You know. Um, <laughs> what What would happen if an individual like myself with 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 clean time called and said, "You know, I, I think I need to get back to some good orderly direction. I think I need to get back to basics. do you Do you uh, willfully take them on as clients as well, or do you refer them out?" And the reason why I ask is because we probably have people in the audience who are listening who may be in need of some good orderly direction that you might be able to give them?"
3: Um, you know, it doesn't. if you got 10 years, you've got 10 days, it doesn't matter. Everybody needs okay. help, and that's why I'm here, and I want to help. So, you know, if, like I said, if there's a hard time that you're going through and you feel like you just need that added support, you know, which everybody does, I do myself as well, so, I, you know, I, I don't discriminate. I, you know, I'm willing to help anybody at any time with anything that I could possibly do for them.
2: How many people can you do you um handle at any given time? That sounds to me like uh, you know, it could be I I'd like to I mean, keep it to like four or five clients a day. Um but you know, I'm I'm
3: more open to taking on more than that. Um, you know, just like a regular job you will go to work eight hours a day. I'm happy to do that. As I said, you know, I you get a hundred percent of me, and you actually get more than that. You get one hundred and fifty percent from me. You know, I, I, I get up every day, and you're my priority, and that's the most important thing for me that day. Each client is is just as important as the other. So, you know, it's it's a hundred percent of my time, and I'm available twenty four hours a day, seven days a week to my clients.
1: So, how do you recharge your batteries? What do you what do you do after after helping? Um, these individuals with, with individual struggles and pain and all of that, how do you recharge your battery on a daily basis to wake up tomorrow
3: and welcome the world? Uh, meditation um, has been, you know, very, very great. Therapy. I still go to therapy myself. Um, you do, yeah. That's a great outlet for me. It gives me that opportunity. But like, you know, if it's the end of the workday and I'm home, I sit out on my porch. I look at the mountains for an hour. I just kind of reconnect with nature, ground myself, and just, you know, take a deep breath. And that's it. And, you know, meetings, talking to my sponsor. Um, I have a support group of friends that are sober as well. So once a week, we get on the phone and have a conference call and just kind of, you know, keep everybody in check. So those are the kind of things that I do to just kind of take a break, refresh, and regroup.
2: Cool. Well, it sounds like you're really, really um entwined with, with this whole, you know, helping people, being in recovery. I'm curious, was there a moment? And I you know, I'm not an addict. I'm I'm a parent of so I I take things from the family perspective, but was was there a moment when you made a decision and, you know, it was so,
3: to get better. Um I was an active addiction My wife and I had separated. Um, You know, uh, I was in bad shape. I moved back to Philadelphia. I was homeless. I was, you know, I was doing more drugs than I could get my hands on. And I hadn't eaten in about a week. And it was just horrible. And all of a sudden, just, um, I thought about something. I thought about my friend that had passed away. And I could see myself heading down that road. So I picked up the phone and I called my wife. And I told my wife that I needed help. And at this time, I was dead serious that I wanted to do it. And that was a lot different than the other times that I have been to rehab. It It took six rehabs to get me sober. Um, Yeah, wow. So, you know, the other five times. And, you know, she was a little skeptical, but I really wanted to do it. And I quit. I didn't use any drugs. I stopped using about a week before I went away to rehab. And I went in. I figured I wanted to go in clean with a fresh start and do it the right way. So it was just kind of a... I guess I had hit the worst bottom that I had ever hit, and I was scared. I wasn't scared that, you know, here's what I say about this. I had another drug run in me for sure, but I didn't have another comeback. And that was uh a feeling that I have never felt before because I've been knocked down a lot in my life, and I get right back up, and I come back stronger each time. I couldn't do it this time. Um, And that really broke me, and that that was the you know, the kind of white bulb moment that set me off and my wife got on the phone and they sent me to the best rehab we could find. And it was really the best decision that I've ever made in my life. Um, cause I really didn't see myself living much longer. And I didn't want to do that to my kids, or my friends or my family. I wanted to bounce back, come back stronger and better than I ever was before. And I'm doing that. Yeah.
1: Right. And I, and, and I commend you for it. You know what I mean? You walked a, you walked a, um, you know, uh, uh, a very dark path for a long time, as as a lot of addicts do, you know, and, and I commend you and I commend to any other addict that can step up out of themselves and say, you know, um, you know, it's time to change, you know, and and I, there's many a times where I don't use the word like bottom because like when I got to the bottom, my, my disease found a shovel and I kept digging. So there was no real bottom for me, you know, it was, a, it was a saturation point. And like what you said, I, I, I had, you know, um, I, I don't know if I could have used again. You know what I mean? Like you said, I I I think I, I think I could have gotten clean again, like I did finally, but I don't think that I could go back out there and use again, in any form of safety. I used to always think that I could be safe, and we would ultimately, you know, we would see on TV or something like that, or if I you know if I was fortunate enough to be at the at the house for dinner, or if I was stealing something out of my mother's uh, <laughs> drawer, and the uh, the TV was on, and we hear on the news that you know Brockton, Massachusetts had. Uh, Had this type of, and they were idiots for even putting it on the TV, you know, had this type of stamp on the heroin. And I'd run outside and tell all my friends, hey, the guys in Bronco are dying. We can go do that stuff, no problem. We're stronger than they are. And we'd go up there and we would, you know, slowly try to commit suicide, not intentionally, but that's what we were doing.
2: I've heard that, that, you know, when you guys hear... When, when addicts hear of other addicts overdosing, they run to find the, yeah. that supply. That to me is just so yeah. counterintuitive. Nuts. It's nuts. crazy. Yeah. But but so that's what I'm saying. When I got to that saturation
1: point that, like John talked about, um, it, there was only one way. And like you said, you were scared because I think inside somewhere knew that your life was going to change that day, but the individual that you had become wasn't really welcoming it. And that's probably why you got scared.
3: Yeah. I didn't like who I saw. I couldn't even like, I I wasn't shaving. I wasn't really taking care of myself because I couldn't even stand to look in the mirror and see the man that was standing in front of me. It was just, it was, it was literally heartbreaking. Um, you know, and it took me, it it really took a big step for me to ask my wife to help me to do this because I didn't feel, I even though I had a huge support system behind me, I didn't know it at the time, but I did. I felt like I was very alone and you know, I didn't want to look at myself. I didn't like who I had become. I was very embarrassed and very ashamed and you know, it took a lot to step up and ask and it was embarrassing, but you know what? I, I really didn't care about the embarrassment because I wanted to figure out a way to live better because the way I'd been living for thirty some years had not really worked out really well. Um so I went into rehab with open eyes and an open mind. I decided I was going to do things that I wasn't comfortable with because my way hadn't been working real good up until that point.
1: You know, it's funny. It's funny. Um, take out John's name and put in Ray's name in that in that sentence, and, and use my use my uh, uh, way of speaking. And that's the same. Same exact right. thing that I've said time after time, and Ellen has always always said, and I I totally agree that we we all become the same um, being once we when when we're in existence of you know uh, lifelong uh, use and abuse, we all become that same shark, that same animal, that same you know we're just carrying a different shell. And what you said, I could totally feel because those are my words. You know, and every addict, every addict carries this addict or alcoholic, carries the same moniker. We get to the same point. We get to that that um, that moment of despair that we even push through there, and and just just stay on that low level of existence for as long as our disease. As long as we allow our disease to hold us there, I think.
2: But I love to hear about these moments of clarity because probably when you experience that moment of clarity, you didn't even realize that's what it was. Exactly. You're probably just so desperate for anything to be better. Yeah, that was that was yes, John saying are. that he was scared. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's got to be either this or die. And you, and on some level, you know it. And so you just start struggling through. Diet is always you know, an option. I commend option, all of you, all of you who have managed to break through that and get to the other side. its I cannot imagine how hard it is. I really can't.
3: It's a real battle, though. The payoff is so well worth the hard work that it takes. It truly is.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I, w- I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up my journey clean for anything. You know what I mean? Like if I, if they, if yeah. they, you know, jokingly, if they said that there was a pill out there that I could take and I could use again safely, I I, I wouldn't because I know I would abuse that. I can't even eat jelly beans like, <laughs> n- like normal people do. So what makes me think I'm going to, you know, I, it just doesn't happen. Um you know and and I'm grateful that I have that awareness today because for all too long in and out of detox and in and out of shelters and and sleeping on the street and all of that stuff I didn't have that that understanding I didn't have that understanding at all and and today I would not want to give up anything that I have learned not that I would give it up I wouldn't give up the knowledge but that immediate guilt would come in and I would I would end up you know, I, I would be too ashamed to come back in. You know, so we're gonna about we we're, we're ready to go to break now. Dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine two if you want to share something with John or if you just want to share your experience, strength, and hope. We'll be back in a moment.
2: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern
4: Time on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you figured out what to attract in your life in order to make it successful? There are those who can and those who can learn. Your intensified energy gives you willpower to move the bar forward and be happy. Happy people spread their energy throughout their lives. And once they figure it out, go on to be successful at nearly everything they set their mind to. Join host Ellen Morano and her panel of guest experts and co-hosts on Generate Massive Energy for a Fulfilling Life. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We got the power to change the world. Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Oh. <laughs> We're live. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I guess I uh I needed the engineer to tell me I was alive. Well, we're back, and we're back with the last segment with John Delaney, and I'm sure we're going to welcome him back very soon because of, you know, one, because of his story, two, because of the connection to the recovery community that he has. Um, So, John, why don't you share um, again your website, your Facebook page, how somebody can get in touch with you, and do it so that, do it in a slow enough manner that if somebody is writing it down, um, they'll be able to, they'll be able to jot it down and maybe, maybe just say everything Absolutely.
3: twice. Uh, the website is Delaney recovery No spaces. And it's D E L A N E Y. Um, my phone number is area code two one five six one seven four one one zero on social media, you can find me on Facebook at Fox Chase Strong. That's three different words, or my personal page, which is John Delaney. Okay, and and
1: um, do you like on your website is there a breakdown of what of the services that you offer or what you what you uh, what you get into or do you just like? try to get people to, I don't want to say try, but you 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 encourage people to call you and see what it is, or is there something that there's a questionnaire they can fill out and it goes to you?
3: Um, you know, we do break down on the website what the services are that we offer. There's also a little story about my background and what led me to this. And there's an email link that you can feel free to email me at. Um, I'll get back to you within 24 hours. My phone number's on there, there's a link to my Twitter account, there's a link to my Fox Chase strong page there as well. So very easy to find and very easy to get to.
1: Cool, so it's pretty much one-stop shop right from your website, so if you, wanna, yes, if you so wanna want to reach out to... it
3: as d- easy as possible for people who are struggling to not have to navigate like a bunch of different pages, um, right. there's some testimonials on there about my work and who I am, um, and you know they're, they're from people who I've worked with, people that know me very well, uh, You know, it's, it's pretty much one-stop deal. You, you know what you're getting when you go on my webpage.
1: So when when you uh when you moved out of the Philadelphia area, where did you end up going? Were you like a nomad for a little while, or were did you just go somewhere and that's where you started finding recovery?
3: I had a friend that moved to Tennessee, so I came down to Tennessee from Pennsylvania for a couple of weeks to just kind of get my head straight, and um, then I went out staying here, and then I I was ready to leave and go back to Philadelphia, but then I met my wife, so I stayed in Tennessee. Um, at the time, it was too hard for me to be in Philadelphia. Too many bad memories. I was still right. using back then, so it was a fresh start for me.
1: Cool. I mean, And and Tennessee is it? Like, what what city do you live in? I'm near Knoxville,
3: Tennessee. But I
1: that's very close to that's very close to
2: where I grew up. I grew, okay. I grew up okay. in the uh, North Carolina mountains, and we came over to Knoxville quite a bit. A little bit more of a. Uh, I don't want
1: to say simple life, but a less stressful life than the city of Philadelphia, huh?
3: It is. It's. It, I was in culture shock for quite a while when I first came um, <laughs> I can only imagine.
0: You know, all and, good.
3: And oh, all they good. weren't real happy about me being here either. Um, They you know, they were still fighting a war It's not going on anymore, but they're great people here. Yeah, they're yeah, very yeah, yeah. nice. They called the Volunteer State for a reason. These people are great. They really, truly are.
1: Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure they are and 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 any type of environment change like that or, or even um community change like that may may have had done some positive work in in um having you change as well. I mean, who's to say what would happen if you would have you know, like everybody says something about, you know, um you know, you, you still take you with you when you leave, but what hap- the, what happened to the individual in uh, Pennsylvania wasn't happening to the individual in Tennessee, so it gave you a little bit more ability to maybe assess like the reality of where your life had brought you and what you needed to do to
3: change. Absolutely. I mean, you hit it on the head. It really did. It was just... Mm. It took me a while before I finally got it together, but it really was. It was just. A, it was a stress relief, and I didn't have the pressure. There was not a drug deal on every corner where I live now, whereas back in Philadelphia, it's all over the place. So right. it was right. definitely a change of pace, and it was much needed. I needed to do that. I really, truly did.
1: So let me let me ask you let me ask you a quick question. The you said that in sure. in uh, was it two thousand. Five, you were part of the a grand jury uh, investigation, and that's when yes, you first, first started speaking. is this the same one that's going on, or no?
3: This is this is a different one. Um, to date, Pennsylvania has now Pennsylvania has eight dioceses of the Catholic Church in its state. To date, all eight dioceses are have been or are under investigation for child sex abuse by the church. This has reached. There's, but I think you know, like 1.7 million Catholics in Pennsylvania. So, um, Philadelphia started it, and the the Attorney General in Pennsylvania now just did a six diocese grand jury investigation, and that's what everybody's saying on the the worldwide news right now is that investigation. This is what we've been telling people for since I started in 2005. And now we have the proof that it's not an isolated incident, that it's a systemic problem, that it's cover-ups and child abuse. So this is huge. This is the biggest case of child sex abuse history in this country to date. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. It's, it's astounding to me that yeah. it's been able to go on for as long as it it's sad. has. It's, it's sad. Awful. Well,
1: I mean, that's, that's all part of the cover-up. That's all, that's all part yeah, of the so, disease in itself.
2: Yeah, but you such know? a destructive you know, vicious yes. way to treat children.
1: What did you think of the Pope's apology today? Did you, did you hear it?
3: Uh, only words. They're words. There, there's no action behind it. We've seen and heard this before from Pope Francis and, and other popes. They, they don't get it. It's, they just don't seem to get the severity of this problem. It's not just a few yeah. priests. We're talking, you know, thousands of people. There was over a thousand people just in this grand jury investigation. That's the thousand that we know about. There's so many more out there who have yet to come forward. Um, you know, I, I'm not buying it. The Pope needs to really step up and take some action, take control of the Church, end the problem now, because it's still going on to this day. It hasn't stopped. Um, You know, we've had problems very recently. So I I really didn't, um, it's only words to me. Until I see action, I'm not buying it. I'm just not. It's it's more lip service.
1: Yeah, no, I I get it. And I guess it's, I guess that's like anything else. I mean, you know, like um, with, with um, my family, um when I kept saying I was sorry and I kept saying um, I'll never do it again and this, that, the other thing, that was just lip service to them because they, cause they heard it countless times. So I, I get it on a smaller scale. I get it because we as addicts do that to do it as well. So why wouldn't a larger scale something like that? You know what I mean? Because it is it is really a disease, you know. One of the worst diseases you could
2: have, I would imagine. Well, it seems to me like there just are a, a huge number of disordered individuals that are going into this profession, if you want to call it that. Let me, uh, let me stop here. Sure. We have, uh, we have a uh, Mike on the line. Mike,
1: are you there? Ah, uh, yeah. Hi, this is Mike. Hi, Mike. How are you?
4: Good. Is this hey, Ray? Ray?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you calling from, right
4: now? I, I'm calling from New Jersey. I, I just wanted to call and. Um, and voice my support for John. I'm one of his childhood friends. Oh, I think you okay. oh, tremendous. Great. I think you have a great, <laughs> uh, a great person that you're, that you're helping out tonight. And I wanted to thank both of you for hosting him, treating him awesome. so well. And, and I encourage everyone to call him. He is a terrific gentleman. He's been through, you know, as you said, some real dark times. And mm-hmm. he picked himself up out of it. And he can really help pick others up as well. We're proud right. of him. John Fox mm-hmm. Stay strong for
1: everybody. Awesome. Thanks. Thank Mike. That, Mike. That, that's that's totally that's total words of courage. John, how much did you pay him to do that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know, but I'm sure the bill's coming out to this phone call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is was there anything else you wanted to add, Mike, or were you do you just wanted no, to call that's in it? And...
4: I just want to thank you guys and tell him he did terrific. And there's a whole bunch of people that are proud of him.
1: Awesome, Mike. And thank you very thank much you, for calling Thanks in for and calling. supporting your friend. That's that's very no, huge, thank you, Mike. You're welcome. Good night, everybody. (laughs) All right, John, we've got about four minutes left, so why don't we uh, go over your website and how somebody can get in touch with you again, and then that way we've said it a couple of times, and hopefully it clicks on somebody, and hopefully you'll get a call tonight from somebody who is uh, in serious need of uh, conversation.
3: Um, I'm happy to help. You can find me at delaneyrecoverycoaching.com. That's D-E-L-A-N-E-Y, and it's no spaces. You can find me on Facebook, John Delaney, or you can find me at Fox Chase Strong. Uh, there's links to my to those pages on my website as well. My phone number is 215-617-4110. I'm happy to talk to anybody with any questions. I'll be glad to help
1: awesome you know and and it's and it's been great having you on the air John and what we need to do is we need to uh, revisit with you maybe in a month or so I'll I'll reach out to you and and we'll we'll connect to uh, get you back on the air um, just because it, it's you know it's always good to come back on a second time we have we have one guest uh, all I have to do is text him and say you in and he's there. He's <laughs> he's my he's my go-to guy. If we need something to talk to, he, he's my go-to guy. I just text him. You in? I'm there. You know he's got the number in his phone. He calls in a couple of minutes before the show, and um you know the more comfortable you get with doing that, you're more than welcome to come back. You're more than welcome to uh, to text me at the number that I was just texting you the break uh, uh, minutes at, and if you want to come back Absolutely. on, we'll 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 get you going. Absolutely.
3: Ray, you can put me on that list next to that guy. Anytime you need me, I'm more than happy to come on and talk and help out. I'm just, you know, I want to reach anybody and anybody who's struggling, and I'd be more than thrilled to come back on and talk. So you can add me right, right next to that man. I'll gladly come on anytime.
1: And you know, it does ultimately help us as well. I mean, I, you know, like I, I, um, I'm, I'm so grateful that I have the ability to be able to share my experience, strength, and hope over the airwaves. Um, but not only am I helping other people, Ellen and I are helping other people, and and we're we're helping you get your message out there. But this helps me immensely to be able to share who I am to you know hundreds of thousands of people that are listening live.
3: yeah, I, I get just as much out of this as the client or anybody I'm talking to this is just right and and, and maybe sometimes
1: more. Them. And maybe sometimes more because you're you have clarity of thought, and they don't always have clarity of thought at the beginning.
2: Just going to say that, yeah, you know where you are yes. now. Yeah, where you are now is is it's, is so awesome. It's amazing to watch somebody come to you who's hurting and and struggling
3: and then a few months later, they're just doing everything the right way, and it's coming natural, and I was a part of that. You know, that, that's right. that's the payoff for me. There's, I love that part of it, so I'm happy to help anytime, anything.
1: Awesome. So hang with us. Hang with us right now as we close the show. Uh, this okay, was good. Thanks it's been for a having f- me on, guys.
2: Really has. Okay, thanks
1: for coming. Thanks for coming. It's been a fantastic show. We're going to have John on again very soon because an hour just isn't enough time to speak to him. And uh, with that,
2: Ellen. With miracles in recovery, hope is in your corner. That it is. Good night, everyone.
1: Stay blessed. Good night.